God even forewarned us that the time would come when men would no longer desire or tolerate sound doctrine, but they would want to hear those things that tickle their ear. We are living in that time where it really is, as Christians, it is a war against the kingdom of God. We are at war and it is a battle against the set order of God. There are so many things that are being proclaimed as right when it is absolutely not. The word tells us that they will declare evil good and good evil. Amen. We must know that, again, the word of God is the same because God is. He changes not. So, what we're going to do tonight is in Deuteronomy, uh, we're going to go through starting in chapter one, and I'm going to highlight some scriptures. So I have plenty of scripture for you. We're going to highlight those scriptures. Amen. And you will be able to see because in Deuteronomy, what is Moses doing? It is actually Moses' final address to the people. And Moses is calling them back. He's calling them to remember and to recommit, rededicate themselves to the Lord. I believe that that's something as Christians that all of us should do. We should take time out to stop. We should take time out to remember all that God has done for us and recommit ourselves wholeheartedly to God. That's what Moses was saying. Even Paul uh, tells us that we need to examine ourselves and make sure we're still in the faith. And literally, this is what Moses was doing. This is Moses' final words. It's a call to remember and commit wholeheartedly to God. As believers, we're living in a day and time where we must commit ourselves wholeheartedly to God. There's so many things out there, again, different uh, theologies and different laws and things that want to cause us to not stay committed to God and the truth of his word, but to become swayed by everything. Amen. Again, we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter one and one, and we're going to go through 25 and 19. Amen. Now, now, that was the reading for last week, glory be unto God. And here is our refresher, our reminder, and us being able to move forward in what God wants us to receive on tonight. Now, it says, after wandering in the wilderness for nearly 40 years, Israel receives Moses' final instruction. Now, the meaning of wandering is to move about without a fixed course, aim, or goal. Now, when they originally started out, this was not God's intention. He knew exactly where he was going to take them and how long it would take for them to get there. But because of their unbelief, because of their lack of faith and ultimately not trusting God, they ended up in a wilderness situation. Amen. And I want us to understand that these same things can occur for us as well. We can prolong or we can negate 
or we can, again, interfere with what God's plan and purpose for our lives is. Remember the word says that the steps of a righteous man, that's male and female, they're ordered by the Lord. Amen. Now, under normal circumstances, this was just a 11-day journey. I want you to allow that to sink in. They should have gone from uh, Egypt to the promised land in 11 days. But again, because of their lack of trust in God, their lack of faith, they're um, uh, again, not being willing to obey and do what God said. It caused them to prolong and many did not make it in. We need to remember those things. God, the Bible tells us, he is not moved by our lack of faith, but he is moved by our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. Now, when this, again, this is from the scripture, so that's what we're going to be looking at. It says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at the mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Notice this is God telling them they've been there long enough. Say, sometimes we need to listen and hear because God can be telling us the same thing, that we've been somewhere long enough, that we're stagnant. We're not growing. We're not maturing in the faith and we're not moving forward in the plan and the purpose that God has for us. He has for our lives. He said it, but we are stuck. And that's what they were. And God goes on to tell him, look, I'm giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. For it is the land the Lord, the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to all your descendants. Here's what we're gathering from this. God is reaffirming uh, uh, to them that he's a covenant-keeping God and that he has not forgot his covenant or his promises. And that's what you and I need to remember and know that every day, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, no matter what it seems like, he is a covenant-keeping God. He does not forget Everything God sees that he knows the end from the beginning and God is always, always at work. Amen. Now he goes on and he says, I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord, your our God has given us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promise you, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. God is again speaking to them. He's telling them every step of the way. And I believe that you and I know that he's the same and he does that same thing for us. Now, God had laid this out, but because of their disbelief and their untruth. And I didn't really realize this until we get to this section where uh, Moses is recounting and he's reminding them of things that happened that in fact, they are the ones who came to Moses and said, first, 
Let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. Saints, corrupt wisdom has shown up because God has told them exactly what he's going to do, what, they're, what they should do, and that he is with them. And he's promised that he will continue to be faithful and he will give them this land. But they second guess God and they are the ones who decided that they wanted to send out scouts who again would advise them on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. This is corrupt wisdom again. Any wisdom that shows up or insight from us that contradicts or challenges what God has said and what God is going to do is corrupt wisdom. And we talked about that before. And Moses said this, he said, this seemed like a good idea to me. So I chose 12 scouts, each one of your tribes. But ultimately, here's what happened. But Moses tells them, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. That's why he has brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Let's remember, these are the same ones that God has brought out of Egypt, they're the very same ones that they've seen the miracles that God did with the plagues. He crossed the Red Sea. He gave them um, manna. God gives them uh, water from the rock, uh, quail, all of these things. But again, because corrupt wisdom was operating in them, they did not trust and they did not believe the Lord. But I, Moses said, but I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. Say, so I want you to hear what Moses is saying, because again, we can relate to that in that there are so many forces and things that are coming against us as children of God. There are so many forces that are coming against us as believers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they want to rid the world of God and rid the world of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, it may look and seem like we are outnumbered and we are being encroached on on every end persecution, trials, tribulations, but God has already forewarned us. The Israelites is a type and they're a shadow of God's relationship with mankind to the Jews first, yes, but we have been grafted in and God wants us to understand he's the same God, amen. And regardless of that situation, if you're the only one in your workplace, if you're the only one in your community, if you're the only one in your neighborhood, if you're the only one in uh, your home, 
that you're the only one in your church that still believes in the word of God and that it is the absolute truth, then know that it's not about the number against, it's about who is with us. And as God was with them, he is with us. That's why it's so important that we take time out and we remember all that God has done for us and how he cares for us like a father, his child. Amen. And that even includes discipline. In fact, God says that if he doesn't, then we are none of his. Amen. But we call him father because he is our father, which art in heaven. God is forever faithful and he is forever true. Amen. And again, as Moses was speaking to them these final things in the book of Deuteronomy. He was calling them back to remember and in remembering to, re to commit themselves wholeheartedly to God. We live in a time where saints, we must be committed wholeheartedly to God. If not, we too will be swayed and we too will operate in lack of faith and uh, disbelief, uh, not trusting God. Moses goes on to say, but he says, even after all he did, you refuse to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. I want you as we're going through to ponder these questions. And the questions that I have, and you'll see them again at the end is, have you ever wondered from God? Has God changed? What is sin? How does God deal with the sin of a nation? And does God love us? I'm talking about the Gentile believers more than he does Israel and the Jews. Again, Moses is reminding them of the things that they have gone through. You know, when I was in the army and I was the command sergeant major, we, before we would change command, we would always have a briefing and we would go over as the unit, the things that we had done, the successes, the failures, the advantages, Answers, all of those things. And so when I see Deuteronomy, I see that this is what Moses is doing before he gets ready for the change of command, because he understands that Joshua is the one that's going to lead the, him, them in, not him. We'll continue on and you'll see even more. He says, he goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Saints, I want to encourage you that God is still guiding you and I looking for the best places and the things for us. We may not see that pillar of fire by night and cloud by day, but we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that leads and guides us. He is the one that uh, goes and he goes to, um, goes and he receives the things from above. And then he comes and he reveals them 
to us. God is trustworthy and we can trust him in every situation and in every circumstance. But instead of them trusting God, what happens next is they were complaining, they were murmuring and grumbling. And as a result of that, Moses tells them when the Lord heard you complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, the son of Jehotham, he will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely. Amen. God does not like murmuring and complaining. What he looks for is, again, someone that hears that will respond and then follow him completely, amen. Now, there's a difference between talking to God about our situation and our circumstances. So by no means am I telling you not to do that. But I think that we all know when it becomes complaining and murmuring and grumbling, God had already told them exactly what he was going to do, how he was going to do it. But yet they did not because of their unbelief, because they didn't trust God and their lack of faith. They did not believe God. Saints, again, we can find ourselves in that same situation. But if we will do like Moses was recounting everything to them so that they could remember who God is and what God had done for them, if we can take time out and really get that in our spirits, then we'll be able to go from, from complaining to praising God. Continuing on in the story that has unfolded before us, and Moses goes on and he says, and the Lord was so angry with me because of you. He said to me, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. I hope you remember when God got angry with Moses. He got angry with Moses and Aaron because the people were complaining. They were murmuring and grumbling. And Moses, God had said, you are to display my holiness. This time, unlike times before, I need you to speak to the rock. And in speaking to the rock, the water will come forward. Here's a note, saints. When God gives us instructions, he wants us to follow them exactly how he gave it. Don't deviate. Don't do something different. Don't do it your way or my way. And then say, but God, I did what you wanted. There are consequences for that. And Moses is a result of those consequences. And how do I mean that? I mean that because again, Moses was so angry with the people that he hit the rock. He not just once, but he hit it twice. Did the water come out? Yes, it did. Did it look like that Moses was doing what God said? Yes, but did he? No. And as a result of that, God got angry. We have a destiny and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And please hear me clearly. When we don't obey God, then it doesn't mean that you're not going to go to heaven, but it does mean that the destiny or how God wanted to use you, you can, you can interfere, you can delay and you can even squelch it, you know, and it not happen. 
Moses didn't enter into the promised land. After all that he had gone through with the people, he did not. And he said, God told him, he said, instead, your assistant Joshua of Nun will lead the people into the land. Encourage him, for he will lead Israel as they take possession of it. Saints, God takes it seriously when we disobey him, when we don't do what God is asking us to do. It's no light thing. I know that the world today will tell us otherwise, but let the word be our teacher. Let us return back to the word of God so that we can meet and walk with the God of the Bible, not the God of imagination, not some other God that is created by other what does God say about himself in the word? When we read the word of God, that's what we need to be looking for. God, what are you telling me about you? God, help me to see you. We can even pray, help me to see you because I wanna see you so that I can come to know you so that I can understand who you are, how you respond, what you think, what you do, so on, because I wanna operate and walk in the truth truth and not in the lie. It is important, again, that we go back and remember what did God say? What did God ask of us? What is God expecting of us? Amen. See, here's what God was trying to do, and I believe it is the same thing that God is doing in you and I. He, God wanted to strip them of their self-reliance so they might know and trust him. God wants to strip you and I of self-reliance. It isn't about what I can do and what you can do for ourselves, but it is to be dependent on God. And why do we have to be careful? We have to be careful because especially in this day and age where everything is about self and, and everything is about promoting self and you know being independent and what you can do and all of those things, but that's not what God is looking Looking for. God is looking for those that will rely, depend, and cling to him. That is the definition of trust. So he was stripping them. Perhaps he's stripping you or I of our self-reliance so we might know and trust him. Amen. Then that what happens next is then they you confess. In other words, the Israelites confessed that they had sinned against the Lord and they decided they were going to go into the land and fight for it as the Lord had commanded them. So they strapped on their weapons thinking it would be easy to attack the hill country. But here's what we need to see and what Moses is reminding them of this. You decided too late. You went against, you've already rebelled against what God said. Notice they don't repent. They just decide, oh, okay, well, we're going to go and do it anyway. Well, you know, it was too little, too late. And there are consequences for not obeying God and doing what God says in a timely manner. It should never be that we'll get around to it eventually. God is to be our first and number one priority. So obeying and doing what God says 
is paramount. And we're going to see in these scriptures as we look at them again, what is God looking for? He's looking for obedience, obedience. That's why in 1 Samuel, he says he requires obedience over sacrifice. Amen. But the Lord told me to tell you, do not attack for I am not with you. If you go ahead on your own, you will be crushed by your enemies. God told them, but again, they would not listen. And this is what I told you, but you would not listen. Instead, you again rebelled against the Lord's command and arrogantly went into the hill country to fight. Do you see the picture, the story that God is laying before us so that we can understand their rebellion and the things that they did? Not so we can point fingers and say, well, they did that, but I would never do that because oftentimes that's what we think. But really what God is trying to show us is humanity and as easily as they had done it, even after having experienced and seen all of his miracles, but God, you and I could easily do the same thing. But the Amorites who lived there came out against you like a swarm of bees. They chased and battered you all the way from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but he refused to listen. Has God changed? Is there a way that we can go too far and rebelled, and even when we're praying, God is refusing to listen, refusing to listen because he's told us and we refuse to listen to him. Then at last, the Lord said to me, again, God is saying, now it's time for you to regroup. You've been wandering in the hill country too long. Enough is enough, turn to the north. For the Lord your God has blessed you. You know, again, God is bringing them out and Moses is reminding them, the Lord your God has blessed you in everything you have done. He has watched your every step through this great wilderness during these 40 years. And the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. What I'd like for you to do right now is look back over your life. I don't know how old you are. You might be under 40, but if you're 40 or more, look back, all of us, and remember what the Lord has done and how he's watched over us every step of the way. And he has been with you. He's been with I. He's been with me. And literally, we have lacked nothing Remember God and remember what he's done because again, when things come our way, when we can remember who he was and what he did, it helps us to stand. It helps us to know he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Great is his faithfulness. Then as we turn north along the desert route, through Moab, the Lord warned us, do not bother the Moabites, the descendants of Lot, or start a war with them. I have given them are as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. Why is it important for us to see and to know this? Remember, these are the descendants of Lot. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. 
The daughter slept with their father, but God is a covenant-keeping God. He keeps his promises, amen, and he keeps his covenant. And so therefore, he's telling the Israelites that I've already given that land to Lot and his descendants. I'm not going to give it to you. Why is that important for us? Because God does not go back on his word. He is not a man. He cannot lie. And as he said then, he's saying now, glory be unto God. And when we look at the nation of Israel, we know that God gave them that land. And no matter what anyone does or try to take it from them, they will not be able to because God has given them, given it to them. You know, that gives me such confidence and assurance and trust in God. Why? Because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God of his word. And if God has shown you things in his word that were promises for you, or God has spoken or revealed promises to you, you can count and know that it's going to happen. God doesn't have short-term memory loss. He doesn't have long-term memory loss. God remembers and knows everything from the very end to the beginning. Amen. 38 years passed from the time we first left Kadesh. Bania, until we finally crossed the Zero Brook, by then, all the men old enough to fight in the battle had died in the wilderness as the Lord had vowed would happen. The Lord struck them down until they had all been eliminated from the community. Here's what we glean from this scripture and why God placed it so we could see it. See, he's the God of his word, whether it's promises or curses. And if God said, you do this and you will be blessed. But if you don't and you do this, you will be cursed. He's the same. And when he said not one of them in that generation who had rebelled against him would go into the promised land except for Caleb and Joshua, that's exactly what he meant. Amen. Can you imagine the length of time that they're going through the wilderness? You know, the old ones and the young ones that are being born and they're dying out and things don't change because of what they had done. When God gives his word, amen, he sticks to that. Now, when we repent, does he relent? Absolutely. But again, God knows the conditions of one's heart and he knows the very motives as to why we say and we do what we do. He knows genuine repentance from just saying a word so that you can feel better, but God is not swayed and he will not be mocked. Today you will cross the border of Moab at Ar and enter the land of the Moabites, the descendants of Lot, but do not bother them or start a war with them. I have given the land of Amnon to them as their property, and I will not give any of their land. God had them grow through their land, but he was assuring them that I'm the God of my word. I'm the God of covenant. Lot was blessed because of Abraham. I remember my promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what I said then, I stick to, I don't change. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. 
Here's the point in this. See, he is the God who keeps his covenants and promises from generation to generation. This is our God. We should walk in such confidence and assurance because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Moses continued, then the Lord said, now get moving, cross Arnard Gorge. Look, I will hand over to you Shion, the Amorite, the king of Heshbon, and I will give you his land. Attack him and begin to occupy the land. Beginning today, I will make, I will make people throughout the earth terrified because of you. When they hear reports about you, they will tremble with dread and fear. See, this is the God that we serve. God, again, was assuring them that he was going to give them the land. Don't worry about who's going to try to attack you. You go on in, attack them, and occupy the land. Amen. And he says, and I will cause the people on the earth to fear you when they hear the reports about you. Again, we serve a God that is like no other. This is the same God. Remember, remember who and what he did because he's the same God today. Now, I want to tie that into today. Again, we have countless, uh, countless enemies. We know there's one enemy, but he has many cohorts and there are things that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but are coming against us that want to take away God's values and, and God's word and how God wants us to live and what God wants to do and the truth of his word away from us. But again, we should not fear because God is the one that is fighting the battle for us. It doesn't matter again if we're the only Christian on our job. We're the only one in our neighborhood. We're the only one in our church. We still must be stand firm and we must stand and hold on to the faith and know who God is, that God is fighting the battle for us. And we are not to compromise and back down on our faith, back down and whitewash the word of God. In other words, we should not go along to get along. We need to stand firm in the truth of God's word. And what God did he will do it for us. Amen. Because he's the same God. Then the Lord said to me, look, I begin to hand King Sion and his land over to you. Begin now to conquer and occupy this land. Then King Sion declared war on us and mobilized his force forces at Jehaz. But the Lord our God handed him over to us. And we crushed him, his sons, and all his people. When we read scripture, see God, see his power, see his might. He has not changed. He is the same. He's the same. Remember who your God is and be not afraid. Be strong and courageous. As again, we are the war and they're warring against us. You know, the persecution is on the arise. Why? 
for those who believe in the Lord that stand firm in his truth, that will not believe and bow a need to bow, that will not compromise and will not go along with the heresies that are being promoted as good when they are absolutely evil. God has some things that are exactly what he said in the beginning. See, these things are a war against God's order and God's standard. Amen. An example would be, regardless of what anybody says, a man is still a man and a woman is still a woman. In Genesis chapter one, chapter two, it says that he made them male and he made them female. That changes not because the word of God does not change. Amen. The Lord our God also helped us conquer or or on the edge of Arnod Gorge and the town in the gorge and the whole area as far as Gilead, no town had walls too strong for us. What are we to see and understand? Saints, there's nothing impossible for God. There's no town that's too great, too strong, too powerful, no nation, no country, no kingdom, the only the only kingdom that is an everlasting kingdom is the kingdom of God. And God is the one that is all powerful. God is the one that is almighty. He and he alone is God. But the Lord told me, do not be afraid of him for I've given you the victory over Og and his entire army. And I will give you all his land. Treat him just as you treated King Shahan of the Amorites who, re, who ruled in Heshbon. Today, we have many, many adversaries that want to come against us and our faith. But as God told Moses and the Israelites, be not afraid because God is with us and he's given us the victory. We must stand for the truth of God's word, and we must stand for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So the Lord our God handed King Og and all his people over to us, and we killed them all. Not a single person survived. We conquered all 60 of his towns, the entire Argog region in his kingdom of Bashan. Not a single town escaped our conquest. Now, I am not advocating any kind of violence. That is not what God is saying, but what God is simply telling us that our prayers are not in vain and our standing strong in him is not in vain. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a higher standard. Again, it does not matter if it appears that we are outman and outnumbered. The truth is we like them are not because our God is their God. Our God is greater. Our God is mightier, and he has given us the victory. Amen. The truth of God's word stands. And yes, as they were battling to possess what God had promised them, you and I must and will engage in battle in order to do the same thing. Spiritual warfare is real. Amen. But again, he has given us the victory, and that's what we need to know. 
At that time, I gave Joshua the charge for you have seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done to these two kings. He will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Be not afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. God is saying the same thing to you and I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the nations. Don't be afraid of people for the Lord, our God will fight for us and he will give us the victory. At that time, I pleaded with the Lord and said to the sovereign Lord, oh, sovereign Lord, you have only begun to show your greatness and the strength of your hand to me. Your servant is there your servant is there any god in heaven on on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you do please let me cross the jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side the beautiful hill country and the lebanon mountains but the lord was angry with me because of you and he would not listen to me that's enough he declared speak of it no more God was not pleased with Moses because Moses had got angry with the people and failed to show God's holiness. And as a result of that, again, his destiny on the earth of being able to go into the promised land was diverted. It was canceled out. Moses wasn't able to do that. As I said earlier, we know that he went to heaven because when we look in the New Testament on the mountain of transformation, Moses is one of the names that Peter called when Moses and Elijah came to speak to Jesus, amen. But again, saints, we have a destiny and God desires for us to fulfill our destiny on the earth and our inability or in our unwillingness because the ability is not really ours. The ability is the Lord and he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can do it. But our unwillingness or based on our lack of faith or trust or unbelief can cause God to, um, to change, deviate, or eliminate the destiny that he had for us to fulfill. Can we miss what God is asking us to do? Absolutely. When we don't do what he tells us to do. But if we ask him, he'll tell us because he said, ask and you will receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. When he does those things, he expects us wholeheartedly to do and obey him. Now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors is giving you. Do not add or subtract from these commands. I am giving you, just obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I am seeing. As we go through these scriptures, I hope that you see that there is a common theme or there's a key. And that common theme and key is obey, obey, hear and obey, listen and obey. Do what God is saying. Amen. When we look 
at the Israelites and the story if they would have only obeyed God. Amen. How different their lives would have been. When I look at my own life and know the times when I did not obey God, if I would have only obeyed God, how different my life would have been obedience is for our good. It is not so that we are just servants and, you know, to be mistreated and taken advantage of and abused. No, obeying God is good because God knows what is best and he already knows what he desires to do through to and for us. And again, God's plan is greater and better than anything we could come up with or decide we want to do ourselves. The meaning of the word obey is simply to comply with the command, the direction or request of a person or a law, submit to the authority of. All of that sums up to obey God, hear God, listen to God, obey and do. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Moses reminds them, you saw for yourself what the Lord did to you at Baal Peor. There the, there the Lord your God destroyed everyone who had worshiped Baal, the God of Peor. But all of you who were faithful to the Lord, your God, are still alive today, every one of you. God rewards obedience and again, there are consequences for disobedience. There are consequences for worshiping other gods and idols, doing what God has told us as they did not to do. God told them not to worship any other idol. It's interesting. Remember that this goes into Balak and Balaam. You know, Balaam told Balak, who had brought him in to bring a curse on Israel. He cannot curse what God intended to bless. And I think that that should give us some comfort as well. Why? Because when we are doing what God has asked us to do, we are in Christ Jesus, being obedient and being led and following the Holy Spirit. The enemy cannot curse you. The devil can't attack you. He can't. He can't. That is the word of God. He can't bless. He cannot curse who God has already determined he's going to bless, amen. Look, I now teach you these decrees and regulations just as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy them completely and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. Think about that. Moses is telling them that if they obey the Lord, when they get into the land that they are to occupy, then the they, other nations will see their wisdom and their intelligence. And they, and when they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, how wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us? 
Whenever we call on him and what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteous and fair as this body of instructions that I am giving you today. Moses told them, if you will listen to God, if you'll do what he says, this will be the bad product. This will be what the people will see. Saints, I'm here to tell you, if we obey the word of God, if we live for God and according to his word, then the world, the nation, darkness, sinners, they will see and know that our God is God and there is no God like Jehovah. There is none greater, there is none mightier. The wisdom that comes from God is like no other because the wisdom of man is foolishness. But God's wisdom is all in all. Blessed be, be his name. Israel was called to be the light to the nations. Amen. You and I, in Christ Jesus have been called to be the salt and the light of the world, amen. To not lose our saltiness and not to let our light, which is his light, go out, amen. Again, the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call him. He's the same God. Moses was reminding them. And this scripture is to remind us and to proclaim who God is. Saints, that's why it's so important that we read the word. And from that, we know who God says he is. And we see God for himself so that we can stand firm in the truth, not wavering, not fearing, and not transgressing unto our God. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai, where he told me, summon the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. God wanted, and he still does, because the scripture tells us over and over again, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. We have lost the fear of God. And we're failing to teach our children to fear the Lord our God, just as they did. So when we see that our children and our youth and young adults are running amok, it is because we have lost the fear of the Lord and we have not taught and they're not being taught to fear him. Then he goes on and he reminds them and tells them these things and it still applies to us. Many people think that the Old Testament is not relevant. All I need to do is read the New Testament and I got everything. No, it's all 66 books. And the Old Testament is relevant and helps you to have a better understanding of the New Testament. That's why in the New Testament, the Old, in Jesus, Paul, and others, James, we have a whole list went and they quoted from the Old Testament because again, it's one book. It is the full counsel of God and it brings understanding. And as God told them, be very careful. You did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire. 
at Mount Sinai. So do not corrupt yourself by making an idol in any form, whether it's of a man or a woman, an animal or the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries around the ground or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the people of the earth. So we need to, again, know that this applies. Let us not corrupt ourselves by making an idol in any form. And that includes an idol of ourselves, you know? Let us not worship ourselves as we see. Oftentimes, that's what is exactly happening in the world because, you know, some people plaster their selfies all over the place every moment, every second. That is idolatry. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and vowed that I would not cross the Jordan River into that good land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. You will cross the Jordan to occupy the land, but I will not. Instead, I will die here on the east side of the river. So be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make idols of any shape or form, for the Lord your God has forbidden this. The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. He is our God, and he is absolutely the same. He has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Moses goes on in warning them, and he says, in the future, when you have children and grandchildren and lived in the land a long time, do not corrupt yourself by making idols of any kind. This is the evil, this is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, and will arouse his anger. We must heed the word of God and again, make sure that we don't fall prey because there are so many idols everywhere. As we discussed the last time and I showed you some of those and I'm sure we will. This is a, a, a on the heart of God and God brings it up. Not just in Deuteronomy, we saw it in Numbers, in Leviticus, God is, and it is still in the New Testament. Jesus tells us we are to worship the Lord our God and him alone. Moses tells them, today I call on heaven and earth as witnesses against you. If you break my covenant, you will quickly disappear from the land. You are crossing the Jordan to occupy. You will live there only a short time. Then you will be utterly destroyed for the Lord will scatter you among the nations where only a few of you will survive. There in a foreign land, you will worship idols made from wood and stone. Gods that neither you nor you neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell, but from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. These things happened 
Amen. Because the word of God is true. And if we know, because those of us that know that Israel was scattered, you know, not just now, but in other times and even now, uh, there are many that are around the world, but he who scattered them will gather them. But here's what he said. And here's the hope which is that, but if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. That is the key. And that's the hope for not just Israel, not just for us, but for the world. If they search for him with all of their heart, they will find him. God desires to be found. That's why all of creation declares that he is God. He's not hiding under the mountain and hoping no one sees or knows. All of creation declares that he's God. And in you and I, like with the Israelites, if standing and affirming and remaining true and faithful wholeheartedly in him, then they will see him in us and come to know our great and wonderful God. He goes on to tell them in the distant future, when you are suffering all these things, and we know they did, and they still are, you will finally return to the Lord your God and listen to what he tells you. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestor. There is only one God. This is the God that we serve. And this is the one that is with us and for us. And just as with them, we should not and have no reason to fear for the Lord our God again is with us and he is merciful and he will not abandon us or destroy us, amen. And he will never forget his covenant and our covenant is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God gave his only begotten son who died on the cross for us, amen, so that we could be redeemed, we could be reconciled, and we could be restored back into relationship with God the Father, amen. We are the sons and the daughters of God. He showed you these things so that you would know that the Lord is God and there is no other. He let you hear his voice from heaven so that he could instruct you. He let you see his great fire here on the earth so that he could speak to you from it because he loved your ancestors. He chose to bless their descendants and he personally brought you out of Egypt with a great display of power. He drove out nations far greater than you so that he could bring you in and give you their land as your special possession as it is today. Amen. Again, this is the God that we serve and Jews all over the world are still reading and sharing about what God did for them. So remember this and keep it firmly in mind. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth. There is no other. If you obey all the decrees and commands I'm giving you today, you will be well all will be well with you, excuse me, and your children. I'm giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land. The Lord your God is giving you all these for all times. The Lord your God is giving you for all times. 
God gave them this and he gave them the word so that the word could hold them and keep them in all times, that it would not be, uh, it would never be uh, obsolete, but it would be ever present and it would be ever true. Here's the bottom line. God's goal for, the, for Bible literacy is that his people learn to fear him. The fear of the Lord is a learned behavior. Humanity's natural tendency is to fear people and disregard God. Moses called the people of Israel together and said, listen carefully. Israel, hear the decrees and regulations I'm giving you today so you may learn them and obey them. Again, obey, obey, obey. You must not have any other gods but me. This is when God again and Moses reminds them of the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are as relevant today as they were then. They may have been removed from our school. They may be removed from our colleges, universities, banks, and everything else. But they're still relevant and they are still should be a part of our everyday life. You must not have any God, any other God before me. You must not make for yourself any idols of any kind or any images of anything in heaven or on the earth in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I am the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other God. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. How do they reject God? To refuse to acknowledge him, refuse to obey him, refuse to submit and surrender. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Again, they are as relevant today as they were when Moses, when God gave them to Moses and when Moses was reminding the children of Israel. He goes on, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord. Your God on that day, no one in your house may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your males, your females, your servants, your oxen, the donkeys, and other livestock. Any foreigner living among you, all your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Saints, we need to find us a Sabbath day because the Sabbath day, again, is as relevant to us as it was to them then. And you say, well, how can you say that? Well, honor your father and your mother as the Lord God commanded them. Then you will live a long 
full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbors, and you must not covet your neighbor's wife. You must not covet your neighbor's house or land, male or female servants, ox or donkeys or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. If we say this is not relevant, then we are saying that it no longer applies, thou shalt not murder. Now I know with when it comes to abortion and all of that, but outside the womb, we still don't think that murder is acceptable. We still do not, I would hope, do not believe that we should commit adultery. If someone comes and says, you know, I'm just an adulteress, I can't help it, so I don't want to commit adultery. And I, no, do not steal and do not testify falsely against your neighbor. The Ten Commandments are the commandments of God, and they are as relevant now as before. Jesus came to fulfill, to fulfill the law, but he so that you and I could be set free. And in doing so, we would be set free from the bondage of sin and able to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, what God has said and how God desires. So Moses told the people, you must be careful to obey all the commandments of the Lord your God, following his instructions in every detail. Stay on the path that the Lord God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. What is God saying to you and I? Stay on the path that he has set before us and obey him. Obey him. It's as simple as that. These are the commands and the decrees and the regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commandments, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. God still desires obedience over sacrifice, and he wants us to obey him. Amen. And as Christians, how do we show that we love him? Because we obey him. It, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. You must love, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead. As reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Obey, obey, obey. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. 
of all the people on the earth. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. God didn't choose us because of our vastness or the nation that we came from is so huge. He didn't choose us because we were perfect and better than others. He chose us because he loves us and he is the God of his word, the God of his covenant. And again, um, as a result, we are now holy, holy, holy is, be ye holy for I am holy. Holy is not a curse. Holy is what God expects, and it is a blessing to walk in that. We are not common. We are uncommon because he is not common. He is uncommon. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and was keeping his oath, which he had sworn to your ancestors. That's why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his commandments for a thousand generations, his covenant for a thousand generations, and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. But he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, you must obey all his commands, decrees, and regulations I am giving you today. If you listen to these regulations, faithfully obey them, the Lord your God will keep his covenant of unfailing love with you. As he promised with an oath to your ancestors, he will love you and bless you, and he will give you many children, and he will, and he will, he will Give fertility to your land, your animals, when you arrive in the land. He swore to give your ancestors. You will have large harvests of grain, new wine, olive oil, great herds of cattle, sheep, goats, and you will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. None of your men or women will be childless, and all your livestock will bear young. And the Lord will protect you from all sickness. He will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them all on your enemies. As we are wrapping up, here's some relevant scriptures. Psalms 24 and 1. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Luke 19 and 13. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. Those that follow Jesus are instructed to occupy until he returns. The word occupy in this context is really a military term. It means to hold possession of and take control. John 16, 33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Uh, Matthew 21, 12 and 17, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He kicked over the table of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scripture declares, my temple will be 
a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. John 14 and 15, and then also John 15 and 10. If you love me, obey my commandments. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in him. John 14, 21 and 23, whoever has my commandments and keep them in and keep them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and will come to him and make our, we will come to him and make our home with him. Luke 4 and 4, and Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. Matthew 4 and 4, but he answered and said, this is when Satan is tempting him, uh, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In Luke 4 and 8, Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Revelation 22, 18 and 19, I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share of the tree of life in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. Amen. Amen. Saints, in closing, it is imperative that we, like Moses was leading the children of Israel, to take time out, to go back and reflect, to remember what God has said to us through his word, perhaps in agreement with his word, a vision or dream or a spoken word that was given over you so that you can remember who God is and stand firm. Remember the mistakes, remember the shortcomings, but also remember that he is God and he is with us. Now, final five questions that I have for you and you can ponder and decide which one uh, that you would like to answer. Have you ever wondered from God? Has God changed? Does he love us more than Israel and the Jews? What is sin? And how does God deal with the sin of a nation? I'll read them one more time. Have you ever wondered from God? Has God changed? Does he love us more than Israel and the Jews? What is sin? And how does God deal with the sin of a nation? We've changed. Our cultures have changed. But God himself has not changed. And you can tell that if you read the word, if you study the word, if you and just, just by looking at the word, you can see that he's calling us to do the same things now that they did, that he called for the Israelites to do, because he was teaching them to be a priest, in a, 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 the, the priest, and he's asking us to do the same thing. And um, so thank you. I, I just, I'm just blown away by this teaching. It was really, really a wow. Thank you. I, I want to echo that and just say this was a wonderful teaching because it was um, packed so full of 
the truth of the word of God. And the thing that resonates in my heart the most is what you're saying that we can get used to hearing, but that God is the same today, forever, and always. He's like a rock. He changes not, the Bible tells us. So because he doesn't change, you know, we know that he has um, made a way for us to approach his throne um, through the atonement, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we know that that in that, that is what we see that the scriptures tell us that that have that has changed is that we don't have to go take a a, a bull or a lamb and sacrifice it. It's already been done for us. It, but you know, the this is where Jesus said, "But not one jot or tittle will be removed from the law until heaven and earth pass away." And so we are still called to be obedient. And this is the thing that just grieves my heart the most about the church today, the state of the church and the message and the doctrine that is an error in so many congregations is, um, you know, just leaving out the fear of the Lord, the holiness of God, the, there is a requirement of God, you know, it's not just come as you are and stay as you are, you know, it is truly, you know, to repent and turn away from sin. And the only way we know to turn away from it is when we start to see the holiness of God, when we see his instructions, because he said that the law was meant to be a tutor for us. It's meant to be a guide to show us what it is that God expects. And his expects expectations, you know, the Lord says, this is not burdensome, because again, it comes out of this love relationship, knowing that he actually took our place on the cross. We should desire to listen to this. We should desire to listen to what he wants because he paid such a, a high price for us. Even in Hebrews, it says, you know, the, the person that has basically turned their back, it says that there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin because they counted the blood of the covenant as a common thing. We can't count this salvation as some common thing. Like we just you know, um, got it, got to get out of jail free card and we can just go live any way we want. That is a lie. And so I just love that you're just unpacking and reminding us of these scriptures. And when you asked, has it, have you ever had a time where you, um, uh, wandered from God? I'm, I'm one of those. I'm part of my testimony is being a prodigal. And I would have never thought that I would have been a prodigal, but, you know, God in his graciousness to me, um, allowed that to be part of my story. And I'm so thankful because I had a time of my life from the time I was nine years old, I was baptized in the spirit. I knew I was a Christian. I knew I was walking with God at a very young age. And I had a very strong walk with the Lord, even up to my early thirties. And then, you know, um, I had some things happen in my life and, and ultimately I even had some warnings from the Lord, which I won't go into, but, um, for things that seem to be coming, so prophetic things. And I still just thought that um, I was so close with the Lord that I just could never imagine myself wandering from him. But I did, you know, and because I went through probably five solid years of wandering from him, how I knew I had wandered was that I no longer felt his presence. And I just got to, and it was not like um, all of the, it wasn't just instant. It was little by little. It was just little by little, it began to go like go away. But it's because I began to be serve myself. I got into idolatry. And even when I began to look and idolatry, meaning pleasing myself, like living for pleasure and living for myself and having a good time. And not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but there is a problem when it becomes 
more important than our walk with the Lord. That's when it's idolatry. And so that's what I had done. And I and it took me a while to realize that I no longer felt his presence. And because I had had this earlier walk with God where I was so in step with the Lord and had experienced the manifest presence of the Lord with me, where I knew, I just knew what that felt like to not feel it at a later stage. I began to to talk to the Lord. Like I, I began to get even scared for myself. Like, why am I not feeling him? Like what's happening? I mean, I, and I was, I was having times where I was repentant. But it's still, I was not reconnecting with the Lord until it took me probably about two years of wholeheartedly seeking him and knowing in my heart I had wandered, but wholeheartedly seeking him till he brought me again to a real repentance, not just being sorry, but being ready to change what I was doing. And um, and he turned me around. And it was that day that I just stopped and I realized how fortunate that I was because I really believe some people would disagree with me, but I believe according to the scriptures, had I died in that place that I would not have gone to heaven because I had wandered away and I counted the blood of the covenant, a, count, a common thing. And, you know, I mean, um, scriptures are pretty clear. You know, it says that when we um, when we speak to a brother or sister, it tells us, I believe it's in Jude and you turn them back from sin, from willful sin, um, that you save a soul from from death. Well, what does it mean when a soul dies? Well, it means it goes to hell, you know, because eternal life is eternal life. And if we have that, we don't, our soul doesn't die. So we have warnings in scriptures not to wander from him. And we see these examples that you've just pointed out to us. Of, and that's the beauty of what, what, it, what we're unpacking as we go through the Old Testament to really see who God is and how serious he is about the covenants, but also He's he's just as gracious and just as merciful as he is um, serious about uh, not pardoning the guilty, you know, and this is why it says notice in the New Testament, notice the kindness and the severity of God. It's both. And we so desperately need to see this because like you said, Pastor Sylvia, it is the thing that we're missing in the generation is the fear of the Lord. And it is the fear of the Lord that keeps us from sinning. It's the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. It is the fear of the Lord. That's a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is vital to our walk with him. It's vital. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for sharing and uh, for both of your comments. And if there's anyone else, then I want to give you an opportunity. But I just want to take another time to say this. Saints, we must get back to the truth of the word. Amen. Learn to love and to read this word for yourself, not the watered down version. I mean, it, it's easy to read it especially when we are used to doing that and then spitting that out and giving you little bits and pieces. But let the word speak to you. Let the word, the Holy Spirit taking the word to teach us. Because again, deception is alive and well on the earth. And there are many G-O-Ds and some of them small, small G-O-Ds. They even have the name of Jesus, but they're not the Jesus of the Bible. They even say God, but they're not the God of the Bible. 
We must come to know the God of the Bible because the truth is he has not changed and his standards have not been lowered. If anything, they have become even more. Why? Because Old Testament, after and after, Jesus said, now, if you slap me, I'm supposed to turn my cheek, give me the other cheek. Amen. Jesus didn't come so that he could free us to sin. He came to free us from sin so that we in him, filled with the Holy Spirit, can walk in obedience to God. Amen. That's what we need to understand. And as Moses lost the earthly destiny, because he did not obey God fully. We must understand their consequences for not obeying God. Doing a portion is not enough. May the word of God that he wrote on our hearts and minds connect with us reading it, and we begin to walk in that. What is the world in need of? God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is the word desperate for? Those that will be witnesses for God and not waver in our testimony and in our witness. Mary, I saw you unmute yourself. I did because, um, you know, God, God is holy. Mm -hmm. And so with his commandments, you said God does not change. He does not change. So his commandments are still the same because he's the same holy God. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to save us and bring us back in and reunite us with him, reunite us to a holy God. None of that changed. So God is still the same. Mm -hmm. And that's what people lose sight of. He's mm -hmm. still a holy God. We are still to fear him. He is a loving God, but we have to fear our loving father. So I just wanted to say that because, it, you know, so many people discount the Old Testament and don't understand that that is the same God that says I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning he has not changed. His standards has not changed. I, you know, when I, I hear people say this about the Old Testament, oh, I don't read the Old Testament because it doesn't make any sense. Well, if you don't read the Old Testament, you have no understanding of the New Testament. Amen. 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 I, I agree with what everyone's saying and um, and I can relate to Krista's uh, testimony and I have run away from the Lord and in his graciousness, I have been able to live, to repent and come back and find, just find a closer relationship with him. And the heartache is having grown up in the U.S., we have been sold a bill of goods where we have been told um, that Jesus is, you know, Jesus did do away with the law and he died for our sins. And we've interpreted that as live the way you want to, and you can go to heaven and no one in my path, as, as I was running around sinning and saying I was a Christian, no one in my path ever, um, you know, called me on what I was doing, but that's because we all said that we were Christians. So I look back and say, who were we serving? Who were we calling out to? Who were we praying to? So um, yeah, there's so much more, but it's so exciting to be able to read the word and study it with people who are designed to draw, desiring to draw closer to him 
and especially starting from the beginning and getting the details and going over them and, and, and studying them. You did a great job. Thank you. Amen. Well, Lois, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm going to tell you, because I was one of those. And I will tell you, I was the same way. Nobody would have told me that I was not a Christian because the ones I was hanging out with, we was going to church on Sunday. We were saying those things, you know, we love the Lord. But, you know, what the Lord showed me when he brought me back to the word was, you know, that scripture that says you confess with your lips but your heart is far from me. That's what he could. He told me, look, this is exactly where you were. And I'm with Krista. I know people may disagree, but I truly am convinced if he'd have taken me home then, there was only one place that I could go and it wouldn't have been present with the Lord either. I'm just telling you, I am a sinner saved by grace. And the grace that saved me is the grace that keeps me from doing what I used to want to do. I don't want to do those things and I'm not doing them. Amen. It is intentionally, I desire to obey him. Because as we read through the Old Testament, uh, sometimes it might seem overwhelming of all these laws and all these things that we hear uh, in the Bible that we we, we know that God is the same, that he has not changed. And so sometimes we might ask ourselves, how do we keep all these things? You know, and for me, uh, what has always brought me comfort is knowing that Jesus fulfilled them, not so that I might break them, but if I follow him, I will also fulfill, I, I will live in fulfillment of God's requirement for righteousness. And so um, I just wanted to say uh, that that's what has been uh, encouraging to me so much so that I no longer put that weight on myself. Oh, am I keeping that? Am I keeping this? Am I keeping this commandment? I know that if I just follow Jesus faithfully, because he fulfilled those commandments, if I follow him, I will be in fulfillment uh, uh, to those commandments by virtue of what he has done for me. And that is how I am made righteous before God. Amen. I just wanted to share that. Amen. And I want to elaborate on what you said. It is not in our power and in our own might that we can do it. We can't. That's just definitely. It's not even my holiness and our righteousness that allows us to stand and come in the presence of Jesus, of God. It is through the son. That's why the Bible says that the only way to the father is through the son. There is no other way. I don't care what anybody else says. There is no other way. And all religion is not the same religion. It's only through Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory be unto God. That's what we need to understand. And what we also need to understand is nothing, the Bible says, can separate us from the love of God. I got that. God loves sinners. Make no mistake about them. But if they don't receive, repent, and turn back to him, then they're going to go where they're going. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't love them. Amen. Because if that was the case, then if everybody's going to heaven, then why would we need to be only those that are redeemed and saved through Christ Jesus? Amen. Terrence, you made a great statement. Jesus knew that we could not do it on our own. 
So the comforter, the Holy Spirit, didn't just come to comfort me when I'm crying. He came because he is the spirit of truth and he leads us in to truth and righteousness. He convicts us of sin. That's why when we read the word that he comes in and he shows me where I'm not lining up so that I can now submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee, surrender to God, living for God, being led by the spirit because the spirit will not lead me into sin. Now, he might lead me like he did Jesus into the wilderness so I can be tempted, but strengthen me to say no to the temptation. So when, when we sin, we are not in him. We are in ourselves. It is impossible for God to sin, but it's also having the awareness of sin. We live in a day and time where nothing is considered sin anymore. I pray it's not that way in your church. It's not that way in your life. But in the world at large, and many, many, many say they are Christians, but they don't consider anything sin anymore. That's why I asked that question. What is sin? What does God do to a nation's sin? Amen. What does God do with those things? Amen. Uh, and are we saying? Because God did what he did to the Israelites. Amen. That he loves us more. So he's okay with us receiving his greatest sacrifice, his greatest gift, Christ Jesus, and we go on sinning. But the Jews who are his peculiar people, his holy nation, he chose them first. He definitely dealt with them and their sins, but he loves us more. So he's not going to deal with us. Now I think because we have Christ Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit and we are refusing those things kind of think our consequences is me now. And I believe the scripture supports it. It's going to be a whole lot worse. Amen. So you're right. Stay in Christ. Stay out of sin. Christ cannot sin. Amen. The Holy Spirit will not cause and lead us to sin. God, Bible says that God can't tempt you. Now, will he test you? Absolutely. But to tempt you, mm -mm. no, there's something else at work. Anyone else? I know we've gone over any last comments, thoughts. I know we had some uh, great comments and things from the chat. So I hope everyone took an opportunity to read those as well. Here's the gist of it. Obey, obey. Listen, hear, obey, do. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. When Mary earlier was talking about the fear of the Lord this morning, I felt the nudge to read this to my husband for he and I, not to him, to us as a reminder. And it was first Peter one and throughout uh, that scripture, it's a call to holy living. And when Mary said, uh, you know, people just don't have the fear of the Lord in the old Testament. I think this is a great thing to say to those people um, that know that's not just the Old Testament. And First Peter 1 says, but now you must be holy in everything you do. This, I'm just reading from the NLT, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. 
he will judge or record or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. So I just thought that that was a um, good scripture that Mary was saying just to piggyback that. And it is hard. We can't do it. It is the Holy Spirit. And what I'm learning is the spending time with Jesus. I, mm. I have to stay so close to him and cling to him because I can't, I, it's like I can't function otherwise, really. So that, that's the key, I think, is just loving him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And then, of course, loving our neighbors, ourselves, and truly loving one another. Let us remember the word of God, share the word of God, and let that word transform us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Terrence, if you'll close us out in prayer. Father, we come to you today again with thanksgiving. To say thank you, Father, for your word. Father, you said that we are to be sanctified when your son, our Lord Jesus, prayed to you. He prayed so that we might be sanctified with your word because thy word is truth. So, Abba, Father, I pray and thank you today for your word has come forth. Lord, I pray that it will have its sanctifying power in our lives as we go out to live in the world, to shine our light before men so that they may see our good works and glorify you, O Lord, who art in heaven. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us who've been here this evening. I thank you, Father, for bringing them in our midst, that we might fellowship around your word. I thank you, Lord, because your word is precious. Your word is love. And everything that you have created, you created, O Lord, that we might see your powerful hand in all creation. And Lord, we acknowledge that today and we say thank you. Thank you for the leaders that you have placed in our lives today to teach us your word in truth and in spirit. Father, I pray that whatever virtue may have left them today by the outpouring of your word, Lord, I pray that you will refill that vessel a thousandfold, oh God, that they may not only end up in this circle teaching us, but that their light will continue to shine in this dark world. And Father, we are grateful because we know that when people love your word, they are willing to speak your truth in love. Thank you, Father, for the entrance of your word bringeth forth light and understanding to the simple. And I thank you, Father, for your word that has come forth. And I pray that the spirit of understanding has helped us today, O oh Lord, that we may see you more and understand you more because we came here together to seek after you, O oh God. And we want to thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord God, that your commandment and your statutes never change. Father God, that you would always demand righteousness from all those who claim to follow you. And that after righteousness precedes blessings, that you would not just bless those who are rebellious, but that you would bless those who are obedient to your word. And so Father, by that we are able to discern by the spirit of discernment, what blessings come from the devil or what blessings come from you. The blessings that come from you are marked by obedience, oh Father. So we thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes today. And I pray, Abba Father, that as we continue to see you, Lord, 
we might know you more. For you have said, Lord, that the people who know their God will be strong. And Father, we believe that in knowing you more, we will be strong, Abba, Father, against any deceptions of our enemy, your adversary, Abba, Father. We will be strong against any kind of temptation, and we will be strong against every kind of enticing sin, oh God, to stand strong for your word, to not be afraid in this day where Christians are persecuted for righteousness sake. Lord, we pray for your strength, that if it be one of us gathered here today, that on that day, you will strengthen us to stand for the word of truth. For Lord, your word will stand. Your word will be fulfilled. Lord, we already know the end of this story. That Father, you have won this battle against evil. And Lord, we are just your children acting in a movie that you already know the end. So Lord, may we play our parts faithfully. May we play our parts righteously. And may we not waver to the left or to the right, knowing that, oh Father, on that day, you have promised us that you go to your father to prepare a place for us, that where you are, we too may be at the end when you come to receive us to your glory. So Abba Father, thank you. Thank you for the faithful ones. Thank you for our teachers. I pray, Lord God, that your word will continue to work in us to transform us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, which is our righteousness, who is our righteousness. So I thank you, Abba Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.